Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to series two of Broke and Ambitious with me, Frances Keaton. Each episode, I speak to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We talk day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and weird ones, plus how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. As we enter series two, I have a favour to ask. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to give the show a boost. My guest today is Joe Wiltshire-Smith. Joe is a Welsh poet, playwright and screenwriter who graduated from the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in 2017 before pursuing an MA in Creative Writing and English at Cambridge. He represented Royal Welsh at the Sam Wanamaker Festival in his second year. He received the J.O. Francis Memorial Award for his debut play in 2017 and the Gareth Jones Scholarship in 2016. Joe's theatre credits include One Study for a Figure at the Base of Oscar Gooding's Crucifixion with Red J Theatre Company, The History Boys, Ghost About the House, and his own play Five Green Bottles at the Sherman Theatre, Cardiff. Here is my conversation with Joe Wiltshire-Smith. Joe Wiltshire-Smith. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. In this noisy, noisy room, I've moved to a place that's on the main road. Not ideal recording conditions, but we move. No, and the fact that it's really cold in this room (laughs) as well, and very dark, and it's scalding hot outside, and very lovely. I think you're painting an unfair picture. It's a beautiful room. scary blue wall, feature wall that's... To my right. There's a quirky lamp with a duck's feet coming out of it. There is, and then, like, live, laugh, love on the wall. No, there isn't. (laughs) That's actually mine. That is actually mine. The world is your oyster. A good friend gave that to me. I I had a friend once who... Oh, well um, done. Just the once. Just the one, actually. (laughs) I had a friend once who said, see, the, the point of it is, Joe, at the end of the day, the sky's your oyster. Oh, yes. And I went, sorry, what? The sky's your oyster. I was like, well, it's either the sky's the limit or the world is your oyster. Yes. Joe, um, I'm just going to get a bit gushy. So just bear bear with. Do I have to witness it? (laughs) So this is very personal. It's a very personal thing to do. I'm just going to gush forth. Because... Joe, seriously though, you are so inspiring. You're always, you always have a project on the go. As I've just said in the in the bio, you're a poet, you're a writer, you're an actor, and everything you do is incredible. This is what I was thinking. If you were just an actor by acting merit alone, that would be enough because it's not as if you're a subpar actor and that's why you're branching out to other things. You are such a phenomenal actor, so it's incredible that you do all this other stuff as well. Do you want to represent me? Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> You're laughing, but the first time we did a show together, straight after the show, my, my agent at the time had come to the show, oh and she comes up to me straight afterwards and she goes, is Joe Wiltshire-Smith looking for representation? And I was like, oh, right, cool, but what was, what about, did you enjoy what I did up there? First thing she said, Joe Wiltshire-Smith, and I was like, yeah, no, he's, he's represented. No, but you are so brilliant. Um, we met on a show, a little play called Cracked. I'm surprised that we weren't all cracked by the end of it, but <laughs> no, it was a great experience and it was good fun, wasn't it? And we were in places that I would never even <laughs> have dreamed of doing a play, <laughs> to be honest. Hollyhead. Hollyhead! 
Holy head. It was a tour of Wales, just the best places. Blackwood Miners Institute. Cramped um, into a tiny van. Haverford West. But we yeah. had great times in the van, didn't we? The tour Fun van. <laughs> with Dick Johns. Shout out to Dick Johns. Shout out to Dick Johns. That was, that, honestly, I, we did lose our minds, I think, in that. And especially with someone like Dick Johns, who's a very lovely man, but is just so, uh, he's just full of energy. It could be like eight in the morning and you've all been out for six hours before and he's just always on it, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he which brings a lot to his work, but my God, he's hilarious. I um, love him so much. Yeah, it's he's, he's an interesting guy. And also then the fact that during your, your <laughs> very emotional scene at the climax of the play, I'd like to think, um, in which it's just you performing a monologue to the central character and it's quite emotional and you're talking about your, your uncle Ted and your experiences yeah. with him. And it's all very moving. And Dick thought it upon himself to pass pass wind, um, to which he thought was going to be quiet wind, but unfortunately rattled through the theatre like somebody <laughs> dropping wet ham on a tile. It, this set, I, I can't describe to you how small the set was. And we just stood there, and I just we locked eyes, and just I couldn't I couldn't breathe because at the very moment that you'd sort of pause for dramatic effect or forethought or, or whatever you were doing in your performance, it just sort of cracked like a pair of nuts, like a pair of walnuts through. <laughs> through the play um, and there was no recovery from anyone everyone was all over the shop I couldn't breathe but by far that was his best work during the whole play <laughs> <laughs> terrible well that was that's yeah that's pretty much the summary of Cracked I think we've done that now that's where we met yeah and I'd like on the poster for it to be five stars wet ham heading a tile I just want that in quotes from the Guardian <laughs> so Joseph Wilcher Smith. Hello. How did you get into the arts? Because I recently read an interview that you were inspired to get into the arts by mm. dressing up as a ladybird in St. Fagans. Let's explore that. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't quite, it was, I'll be honest, I, I was I was a bit of a whore for the ladybird costume. So it wasn't just St. Fagans, it was also Cardiff Museum. They had very, honestly, you want to go to the Welsh circuit of ladybird costumes that they've got there. So there used to be like a kind of small stage that they'd set up in Cardiff Museum, St. Fags, but places of, of national interest or heritage yes. places. And they used to have a series of costumes, but they were the same costumes in the same way that you might go to a Witherspoons and order the same meal. They were the same four right. costumes. Right. And one of them was a ladybird, which consisted of a lovely cape and hood combo. <laughs> and some little antenna. And what I would do, it was not everyone else sort of, oh, I'm a butterfly sort of flapping around, it was just sort of for play. I would walk onto the stage, get into, uh, onto my knees, and then put my head to the floor and put the hood <laughs> up and cover my whole body so that I was this kind of fetal ladybird with my head on the floor, which is surreal, which looked like I was probably trying to find the right way from, for Mecca, but I wasn't, I was just sort of, <laughs> I was, <laughs> Head to the floor. What were you thinking? Were you channeling a lady? You were trying to no become idea. a lady. I can't really remember. But my mother just thought it was just surreal that everyone else was sort of moving and, and flapping about, but I was <laughs> resting as a ladybird. It's a very tired, it was narcoleptic ladybird. Um, depressed I as was. a child. Yeah. Again, it did, but this is the thing. Apparently, I was very happy to do that, and actually would ask Mum, please, can we go back to Cardiff Museum so you can do so that. that you can watch me put my fo forehead to the floor. <laughs> And you could drink. But honestly, it was just surreal. Wow, I've never heard that story before. That's beautiful. Are there pictures? Uh, I think there are a few pictures, but it's just in the same way that like Amelie takes the gnome around various places around yes. the world. It's me on on, <laughs> on my knees, my head to the floor, dressed as a ladybird in St. Fragans. 
Cardiff Museum, <laughs> the Cardiff Castle, just the same ladybird and the same position. Oh my god! Absolutely terrifying. Honestly, it sounds like the plot to a James Wan film, doesn't it? Immediately. But no, no, it's very true. Ladybird on tour. Mm-mm. That, <laughs> should be, on tour. that should be the Visit Wales new campaign. Just just posters of a, of a small child yeah. on his knees, and head to like, the floor. Castle cock. Yeah. Please don't go, your children will be traumatised. Yeah. Warning. Could dress as Ladybird for the rest of his life. Oh, no, actually, I'd like to stress I've never dressed as a Ladybird again. Well, that needs to be rectified. <laughs> no, yeah, birthday good, party. Good. Just Ladybird themed. Okay. Um, so you did grow up in Wales. I Also, just as a brief sidebar, I, I yes. saw on one of your acting CVs that you can play the ukulele <laughs> and that you can do a Donegal accent. <laughs> yes. Would you well, luckily, still I have stand by? <laughs> today, here in, this, in my tiny handbag. No, I don't... I, Probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't know if my age is listening, but um, uh, no, yeah, def- definitely not. <laughs> and the ukulele? Um, ukulele, yes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of ukulele, so I've got my little acoustic ukulele and I've got a nice little electric ukulele. Have you? Know, a little concert uke, yeah. I love them. Um, I'm a really big fan of George Foreman. I'm yeah. absolutely obsessed. George Formby? Formby, yes, and George Foreman the Grill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, George. George. He played the banjo, didn't he? Yeah, uh, banjo on the uke. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. The banjo lady. The banjo lady. The um, the, the uke banjo. The balalaika. <laughs> <laughs> he did everything, everything. Talk to me a little bit about your journey into the arts. You grew up in Wales. I did grow up in Wales. Um, so I was born in Bridgend and have lived there for a large majority of my life. And then I. Um, going to the arts through Bridgend Youth Theatre, I think mm. as most people kind of start out doing that. But yeah, and then did it in Pile Life Centre, which is this tiny sort of recreational, you know, sort of place where they do they do AA in one room and then the youth theatre in the other. Are you serious? Yeah, it was a strange place to be. And obviously there was a lot of kind of like, there was a, a recovery centre on the back as well. Mm. Um, so you had quite an eclectic mix of people in there. But it was great because it was just this sort of, yeah, real sense of community. But I loved it. And there was a, a teacher there in there called Mary Jeffries, who I, I, I give a little shout out to Mary Jeffries, also known as Jaffa for a lot of her time, um, cast me as the mayor of the Munchkins in the senior show, no less. <gasps> not the junior show, not the baby show, the senior show with all the proper adult actors who were probably like 13. Whoa. To me, it was... It was the best thing ever and I was obsessed with the girl who played Dorothy because she's brilliant and again I'm, I'm sure she's still brilliant now but um, yeah it was cast as the Mayor of the Munchkins in it I absolutely loved it relished and they gave me this enormous top hat and I was quite sort of squished and sort of um, small and, and portly so it just must have looked looked like Danny DeVito in the Batman <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no, I, that's I'm, incredible yeah and I, that was like my first kind of foray into anything acting wise basically um sort of got them because it was usually like drama games you know you play like splats and whatever the diggings they do yeah. know, but um, that kind of thing and then yeah she was just like come here do you want to be the mayor of the munchkins oh shout out to Jaffa what a lady what a, what a legend that's so, <laughs> so cool that's a massive ego trip that's so brilliant um, you were a big name on, on the blog I was and um, just to run through some of your roles um, since then, so also while you were training. So I, I think I peaked with Mary the Munchkins. No. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. 
Yeah. How incredible. Oh, Surely God. that's like the Hamlet of many actors' careers. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's musical theatre. It's incredible. Yeah, I think it's only good if the production's any good. <laughs> Definitely. Or good? actually the actor in question is playing the part. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's it, it was good. So, yeah, we did that in youth theatre. So that was when I was part of the senior Bridget Youth Theatre. Then I was Love old it. enough to, to kind of be a part of that cast. And, yeah. yeah. But that was absolutely fascinating. Having your face moulded. Yeah. Stores up, you know, so you can breathe. Yeah. And all that you had a bit of a... Gary Oldman experience I there. Had a big Gaza yeah. experience, they call it in the industry. But, um, I feel like when he was doing Dracula, he had a lot of prosthetics at one point, and he was also an alcoholic, and he was drinking wine with a straw or something. Yeah, and arguing a lot with Coppola on the set, like ma- like massive blazing arguments on the yeah. set, and Tony Hopkins coming up to him going, "Oh, don't worry, boy, it'll be fine. Don't don't look at the whites of his eyes, all this kind of stuff." Um, sorry, I'm. I'm Drinking a gin tinnery, gin tinnery, gin gin taru at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned Anthony Hopkins there, and this sort of seamlessly leads us into your next stage of, in the arts, in that you mm. went to Royal West College of Music and Drama. I did. Um, yeah, I went there in 2014, and it was probably a roundabout in my second year then, uh, at, yeah, on the course, that I kind of realised that maybe I'd like to also start um, I mean, I'd always written things, but, mm. you know, just little bits of nonsense, limericks and things like that or whatever. But to actually start looking at writing for, like, for theatre or just for my mates, basically. Yeah. To spend a large majority of the time doing that kind of thing. But you were once directed by Anthony Hopkins while training. <laughs> like, that must have yeah. been an incredible experience. It was absolutely terrifying, Francis. It was just... And I, I can remember so clearly. So we were doing Three Sisters at the time. Oh, I love um, it. And... I was walking um, across the bridge in Cardiff, across the um, the bridge that goes into Butte Park, and I had a call from Heather, the administrative uh, lady of the office, and basically she said, look, um, what time can you be here? And I said, well, I'm walking over now. She went, okay, well, um, uh, Anthony's coming in at like half past 10, so is there any chance you can be here like in the next five minutes? And I went, sorry, Anthony, <laughs> like... Who's, who's Anthony? I've got no idea. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. So um, if you just come in, I was like, sorry, what? what? <laughs> yeah, and she just said it so blasé and casually. Oh, do you mind just skipping over the bridge and coming to me? Anthony Hopkins. I was like, um, do I need to do anything? Surely there was some prior email and that she's referring to. Absolutely no information. What? There could have been, and maybe someone did say something to me, but usually I've got my head sort of in the ether anyway, so mm. that's maybe why, but I had absolutely no clue. And this, she phrased it to me as... Um, oh, just come in and speak to him. It'll just be a nice little chat. <laughs> and I went, okay, lovely. And then got into the rehearsal room and the director of the show, Adele Thomas, um, was just like, so we're going to do a scene. And I was like, what? And, and he's going to come in and, and, and direct it and work with you guys. And I was like, this is insane. Literally, at half a this morning, I had no idea that this is anything to do with this. And then to be thrown in the deep end with <laughs> Hopkins. Um, but he was really lovely. Again, this isn't a horror story at all. He was the nicest, most accommodating, brilliant, energetic, enigmatic person. He was fantastic. But mm. he was so hands-on and just like, just just do it. Just do the scene. Was he like, um, let's have a game of Zip Zap Boing. Zip Zap Boing. <laughs> I know a guy that's played the mayor of the Munchkins. I can see it in your eyes. You can see that in your history. Oh, that's the other thing he said as well. Sorry to, to go back. But... Yeah. I got in the room, said, oh, nice to meet you, Anthony, and his, and his wife was there, and we were like, oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. And he went, <laughs> he turned to me and said, oh, who are you playing in it? I said, oh, Andre. He went, oh, okay. He said, well, when I left drama school, um, Andre was the first part I ever got. <laughs> and I went, okay. Oh, cool. And then he went, don't worry about it, though. 
was like, don't worry about it, though. That's all I'm going to be worrying about now for the next hour is the fact that you left and played it at the National. Oh, no! <laughs> Literally, I was just like, this is Great, insulting. well, um... Yeah. I'll be, the door's there? Is that the door? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be moving through the door. But as you, he, I'm imagining you just getting down onto the floor and becoming a ladybird Literally again. Just, just on my knees, <laughs> forward into the wooden beams yes. of Royal Welsh. Um, but... Yeah, again, sort of for a man that's so 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 verbal and so musically literate as well, he's very very physical the way he sort of moves, and mm. um, obviously you can see that in his work quite a lot. But um, yeah, he was it was amazing. It was just oh, the best time fantastic. ever, and it went from yeah, absolutely cacking myself to you know that you'd known him for like ten years. He was just so mm. um, yeah, just so brilliant, really incredible, nice. great, great, yeah. Um, it's also worth mentioning that you represented Royal Welsh at the Sam Wanamaker Festival. And for those who don't know, that is a yearly festival at Shakespeare's Globe, mm. where two representatives of each that's, UK... That's by a cow, then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Sexy. Sex- seductive cow, if anything. Oh, God, yeah, I'm about to gush. <laughs> I think I'm going to gush again. Um, so it's where two representatives from each UK drama school do yeah. a scene on stage... And it's just a lovely celebration of Shakespeare. And mm. you represented Royal Welsh, and you were doing a scene. Was it Helena and Hermia? I did. From I Midsummer did. Night's Dream. Yes. And you were play- So you, you were both two male actors playing female characters. Mm. It was so revolutionary. It was so cool. <laughs> and I saw it because I was supporting my drama school representative. Oh, yeah, Shout out to Lydia Bakelman, lovely Lydia, lovely. Jason Plessas. Uh, Jason. Plessas. And then I saw you before even knowing you. So yeah. it's a lovely little. Lovely kind of little thing. Yeah. Circles. It's all circles. It's all circles. It's all circles of life. Apart from when it's squares. So, <laughs> as the saying goes. Um, so, yeah, it's worth mentioning that. Just worth mentioning that. And yeah. then since then, you've graduated and you have had lots of very interesting projects. Any you care to talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, you were in Ghost About the House, which I saw as well. Yes, I was in Ghost About the House. Uh, in the King's Head Theatre, which was re- which was amazing, actually. Because you, you stripped down to your, to your undies To my that. Jimmy Smalls, you I did. <laughs> I did. Um, Very brave. Yeah, it was... They didn't ask you to do that, did they? No, I requested it. In fact, in fact it's actually, it's, yeah, it's in my rider before I do anything. <laughs> I've got to get into tighty whities otherwise I'm not doing it. <laughs> You now live in London, recently moved, and, you know, I could talk about your career for at least another 20 minutes, but (laughs) (laughs) the the structure of this podcast is talking about, like, day jobs. So, um, let's talk a little bit about how you managed to survive uh, via day jobs, but let's start with your best day job you've ever had. My best one? Because um, you do the copywriting, don't you? I do the cop. That's what I do now. Yes. Yeah, it's quite comfortable actually. It's nice. So, but you you do kind of have to beg, borrow, and steal a bit mm. in the way of walking to people's offices and being like, "What do you need any copy for?" So yeah, basically copy for websites, copy for leases, any sort of new product they're releasing. Yes, and you get to do it. But again, it's it's still sort of creative writing, which is which is great. Yes, um, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but we should also just cover the fact that you did an MA in creative writing <laughs> at Cambridge University. I did go because to a you know MA. you can't get enough accolades, can you, Joe? It's incredible. <laughs> anyway, so now you're using that that creative writing um, to to do a go- copy for dog food brands, which is fantastic. Yeah, basically just for dog. I don't do anything outside. All my all my creative work is about dog food, basically. Um, so Pedigree Chums that's mm. my first play um, it's like it's Shut like an Alan Aikborn <laughs> sort of farce it's what I imagine Pedigree Chums as a title it would be wouldn't it would be, it would be yeah 
Or it'd be like a children's sort of like, we're the Pettigrew Chums. Hey. Yeah. Lots of... Um, Talking dogs. Yes. Really annoying people. Anyway, off topic. Yeah. So... <laughs> okay. So, copywriting, would that be one of your best day jobs? Or? Yeah, I'd say it's up there. Um, I worked... When I was in drama school, they... they I, I had to support myself a bit there, so I worked for an art gallery, which was just around the corner... Um, called The Dot and that was really they were really nice oh, cool. um, but I lied and said that I'd done an A-level in art I've n- not got any qualifications <laughs> in art whatsoever so I then got the job and wandered around these sort of amazing pieces of work and then tried to sort of explain talk about the artist oh god as if I had any knowledge of it so what I didn't <laughs> I was talking about it's going this is a lovely shade of blue (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that was that was that's probably the best one but I only worked it for about three days (laughs) and then they went you're fired (laughs) we can't we can't can't sanction your buffoonery anymore (laughs) (laughs) it was great fun Um, and actually do you know oddly it it was an exercise in acting of just like what what can you think of in the moment just creative (laughs) thinking you've just got to go oh my god yeah it's, it's got a lovely if you look very closely at the back of the painting, there's a picture of a whale or stuff like that. It's all yes. the subliminal sort of messaging yes. and things like that. It's um, a metaphor for death it, and uh, <laughs> also insects. That was my go-to answer. Yes. Any painting, metaphor for death. Yeah. yeah immediately. <laughs> oh, the painting's about death. Yeah, just absolutely riddled with it. Riddled with death. This beautiful painting of a pair of sunflowers. What has been your worst day job? Um, my worst day job was... Uh, when I worked for Specsavers, <laughs> which is very close, oddly, to the house that we previously lived in. Yes. Um, so it was a Specsavers that was built into Sainsbury's on Cromwell Road. Is it Cromwell Road? That yes. road? Yeah. So I worked there. Um, initially was signed up as a leafleter, basically, for free eye tests. <laughs> so... <laughs> And it would work on a commission basis. So how many people you signed up for an eye test? Do you how eyes? would you hook them in? Um, I would set, set obstacles in their path make them trip path, up and then yeah. be like and I'd be like how many fingers am I holding up nine so nine fingers yeah immediately um, and <laughs> yeah that, that kind of thing basically but it was um, oh god yeah and there was that joke all the time that you go free eye tester and they go who said that <laughs> oh god that's and, so and, bad I know but those people generally got an eye test because I'd be like no you probably generally need one because the coma is <laughs> you're you know, making that joke men of your age and, you, know, <laughs> um, you know this is really really bad um, I think you need help <laughs> yes <laughs> and they were like oh yeah definitely because yeah, they felt so bad um, but yeah that, that was that was probably one of yeah definitely the worst one but the, the thing is then is that one of the optometrist assistants yes um, left said I can't work here anymore this is appalling I'm off ski and do you know what I, I don't blame her and the gentleman who ran the establishment who remained nameless said oh do you mind just helping her out a bit here and there and I was like okay fair enough cut to a week later and I'm in the actual room where they're conducting the eye test and he's like can I have another slide please <laughs> and I, I, I'm basically an optometrist assistant I've got no qualification. He was fully aware that I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I'd be booking people in for slots, working the till, doing all this stuff. And I was I was booked for, to hand out leaflets in the sun. That was it. Oh, for goodness sake. That was it. And then became this this kind of dog's body for this Surely man. Surely you would 
normally traditionally have to have training a qualification in, in a qualification or some in knowledge of the subject optician. hopefully it, as you think as an optometrist it was insane. you're just there leaning in changing slides and going this is a metaphor for death well, yeah. <laughs> oh god but yeah, honestly it was it was as surreal as that though and and the worst thing was that he'd say x to x patient and there'd be a lot of personal information in there as well yeah. that I'd be privy to yeah. and it's none of my beeswax but then the, oh, God, I only said his name then I won't say his name no. but then he turned to me and say something like X about this current subscription uh, just for me to affirm it and nod and go mm-hmm, yeah definitely oh my God he just wanted clarification all the time but that that, that was all, it was really bad and yeah and I worked there for ages and then I asked for a pay rise mm. um you know, because I was essentially working as... A, yeah, as, and you were uh, still being paid as a leafleter? Yeah. Oh, for goodness oh, yeah. sake. Oh, yes. And then I said, look, can I get a pay rise? And he went, no. <laughs> and I went, well, I'm, what the hell am I doing here then? This is just insanity. So then I, yeah, you went, went off ski. Like the previous optometrist yes, assistant Yes, she me. started out as a leafleter, exactly. so she started you know, out as a cleaner. Exactly. Do you know, like in Spinal Tap, they've got to keep changing the drummer. It's like yeah. in that one opto- odd, uh, yeah, spec savers in... Uh, <laughs> In Sainsbury's. Guys, if you're listening and you're thinking of booking an eye test, maybe don't go to that one. They're go not to, go trained. Go to that one and give them grief. Give them hell. <laughs> That's what they deserve. Do you um, think he even knew what he was doing, this guy? The main guy, the optician? Honestly, I don't think he'd ever seen a pair of glasses before <laughs> in his life. I don't think he understands. He, honestly, he came in his first day holding two cups. <laughs> That's a ridiculous... It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a farce from start to finish. Um, but I just love that he... Instead of booking someone who was qualified to do the job, he got the guy who was handing leaflets out <laughs> to do it instead because he. But you he do knew give off. Do it. Yes. Yeah. No, I'd say that's pretty. Yeah, it's probably the worst. Word that's hilarious, and I had no idea about this chapter of your life. As I know until the other day <laughs> when I walked past that. Same I thought place. you were joking. You were like, "Oh yeah, well, I suppose that was during my time as an optometrist assistant." I thought he was joking at the time. <laughs> Honestly, it was just insanity. Couldn't I was believe just like, it. Yeah. Well, well done for leaving. Walking out. Yeah, that's the worst. Mm. Finally, in terms of day jobs, what's been your weirdest day job? I just left drama school Mm. and then was kind of in that weird kind of hypnagogic state between my career is about to begin. And, you know, you just have, you know, these ideals that they... (sighs) So I I had a job that was like an outreach programme with the council um, of Cardiff Council that was basically... There's a really bad homeless problem in Cardiff. It's really, really poor. It might have got better of late. I doubt it. But it's always... The the figures are through the roof, Francis. It's ridiculous. So literally, this is not a joke. On every street corner in central Cardiff, there is is someone who's destitute. And it's Mm. it's absolutely heartbreaking. But for God God knows why, um, there was an outreach programme that paid like, you know, eight quid an hour, something like that. And I thought it would be kind of, you know, just helping in the office or just, you know, being like a a carer within, you know, these sort of hostels that they were specifically designed yes um you know for taking homeless people but um i it wasn't that at all basically it was walking around from about nine till nine at night nine till nine looking for people sitting in the street and being like do you want to do you want to come do you want to come home to the hostel and then and, but inevitably they have dogs or something and they go well no because i got a dog they won't let me come in with the dog right um so yeah that was that's probably the weirdest one it's just asking people if you want to come back with them all the time Oh gosh, yeah, Dennis was, Nielsen. Exactly, it was it was a bit kind of terrifying, and I I wouldn't go back with me either to be honest. <laughs> so 
<laughs> those poor people. But yeah, but that, that's a fantastic that, job. That was the outreach pro. Well, you say it was a fantastic job. You, you, if you've got to be successful at it, <laughs> right? Really, for it to be a fantastic job. <laughs> and I wasn't because I was just again exactly. I found it so awkward that basically that you had to <clears throat> walk up to these people and be like, "You're right," <laughs> and yes. they'd be like. Sorry, who the hell are you walking over here and asking if I'm all right? Yeah. What I need is, you know. All a bit patronising. Yeah, it? it was. I was just like, this is horrendous. Um, so this is probably my worst job, actually. No, <laughs> that seems worse than space We switched them, yeah, we I switched I didn't think it. it could get any lower. Um, yeah, again, it was it was great to speak to these to these people. And it was really lovely that there's the thought there to have an outreach programme. But it's just not very helpful because it doesn't seem to be reaching anyone because it's not applicable to their lives it's like yeah. you know do you want a cup of tea and they're like well that's not really going to solve my issues <laughs> you know no. don't come here claiming to be an outreach program and then provide me with nothing it's yeah. just like and yeah. again where are your qualifications for this psychology some Zero. kind of <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all by the seat of my tiny little Welsh trousers <laughs> My You're God. so good at getting jobs, though. Well, I, I th- as you say, I think it's because... Well, I don't know. I... You're very charismatic. Let's let's, it... let's put it on the table. <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. Well, obviously not, because I can't get anyone to come home with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that, you know, it's... But I, I feel like that's probably the worst job, actually, because I was really, really bad at it. Yes. It paid awfully. And actually, the sentiment of it was really, really terrible because it didn't help anyone. Let's definitely swap those. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So that's been your worst day job. And the optometrist, the optometrist assistant, definitely sounds like the weirdest. Yeah, for sure, because it's just so bizarre that you found yourself oh, changing slides after. Honestly, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give you another one very briefly. This, Please this, do. Off, because again, this might actually be the weirdest one. When I was selling soap out of that suitcase, do you remember that? No. Do you not remember this? No. <laughs> you were a travelling salesman. I was like Tyler Dunn. <laughs> I do get mistaken for Brad Pitt quite a lot, but it, tiny Welsh Brad. No, not. But yeah, I went to, I forget the even name for it now off the top of my head, but in Olympia, they do like these kind of food festivals. Yes, yes, yes. There was a guy selling soap there. And <laughs> at a food festival? At a food festival. Oh, yeah. Was, which is quite brave of him. Um, but they had like, but they did like incense and things like that. Sure. And, and like nibbly bits. Yeah, oh, like, love oh, nibbly, nibbly bits. <laughs> and then basically he said, oh, look, do you want to, do you want to work for me? Do you want to sell soap? And I just went, yeah, go on, that'd be great not working out the logistics. So he was sending like boxes and boxes of go and soap to my house in High Barnet. Um, so it was like charcoal soap and tea trees and all this stuff. Beautiful. But my housemates were furious because they just get like a knock on the door and it's like, there's more soap. It's like, Joe, <laughs> stop sending soap to the house. And then what I have to do is lump this suitcase around sort of various, yeah, like pop-up markets. So in Brixton, Shoreditch. I mean, I, this is when I just moved to London as well, so it gave me a real education of where stuff was yes. in London. But then, yeah, flogging soap over a tiny soap. Oh my god! And it was so expensive the soap, and it used to be scalding hot, like in the middle of summer, and you'd have a suitcase full. And soap is heavy, frighteningly yes, very heavy. heavy. Literally lumping soap round these sort of streets in a tiny suitcase. Ironically smelling quite bad probably so I imagine really really so bad <laughs> exactly yeah you could get a nice lather on me when I finished <laughs> shortage market and then yeah basically yeah. oh is it just you manning the stalls yeah oh my god it, Joe on my own Joe well, well this, this gentleman again he was a lovely guy in fairness to him but he was just so fancy free kind of like 
Yeah, just take the supplements out. I have never heard this story before. Yeah, you've lived the life of, of a thousand men. I have. I won't name. I won't name the company though, because um, no, just in case. Not. Best not. Are they still um, going? Do you think they're still going? Hey, well, I don't know if they got selling their soap now because it's definitely not me. So I don't know who else would be weird enough to probably, take that probably job. Probably that optometrist assistant. That's yeah. where she went. Well, there we go. You got you got four stories. Yeah, um, that's... I think I definitely got them mixed up. The worst was definitely the outreach program, wasn't it? That was appalling. I mean, but Weird, you know, coming from a good place, so you know, you've got that going for you. It wasn't going like... for me. <laughs> so, Joe, with all of these jobs, how do you manage to stay creative on the side? Obviously, you write stuff, and during lockdown, you started that phenomenal dirty little portrait season <clears throat> yes. with no, Red no, J Theatre. Francis Keaton in the lead role of one of these dirty little portraits, which you fantastic. Happen? In, by the way. Stop, fantastic. please, I'm shy. Yeah, again. No, but it's very true. Is that you know, it's it's fantastic when you get actors who just pick up a text and just can interpret it immediately and just get it. Um, and get the humour and you know if there is any humour in it but you know, you know your so, writing so, is so funny but you sort of when you look at that and, and have an actors of such esteem that are able to kind of do it I think it's um, it's amazing so thank you for doing it thank you I'm not plugging my own thing no nope. also plugging my own thing absolutely <laughs> yeah. there's a whole section no. called anything to plug anything to plug <laughs> lovely but that's not where we are right now okay so <laughs> any other ways of staying creative on the side I mean you're a bloody creative rocket honestly but you, you've written a few poems just sort of during this podcast, haven't you? Under the table. I They're have, coming yeah. out. On my thigh. <laughs> and I'm wearing shorts. And I've got little holes in my shorts. I hate that at the moment. I've got these shorts and they've got like massive gaps in them. Oh, yeah. But do you know like when like you see like a joint of, of ham? Oh, yes. Like in the supermarket. Poking through the... Yes, my sallow flab looks like <laughs> that. Basically tied ham that I've got coming out of my... Or like a joint of beef. It's really unsettling. I don't think... Don't that... look down. I... <laughs> Okay, so... Well, how to stay creative. <laughs> Sorry, this must be the, 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 the most chaotic, Slightly erratic. Eclectic, I like it. Mental, but I quite like that, exactly. It's, that it's wonderful. <laughs> Orson Welles used to do that. He used to walk on stage um, during his many interviews with Johnny Carson and um, Dick Cavett and all these people. Yes. And they'd have questions there. <laughs> and he'd <laughs> quite aggressively grab the questions and go, we don't need this, we just need to chat and throw it off into the wing. That's so that so these, cool. these guys would just be like, uh, I, and then just let Orson Welles just talk about nonsense, which he did quite a lot of the, a lot of the time. Um, oh, the just so, ag- so aggressive an interview, isn't it? Just like, no questions. It's very it. bold. Well, um, yeah, feel free to do that. But also, how do you say creative <laughs> on the side? Huh? Well, do you know what? I used to think, because you read so many books on writing, like Three Uses of the Knife, or even on writing by Stephen King, and they talk mm. about kind of routine and you know getting up each morning at like six o'clock and you write for us and whatever and I used to be really really strict with that um a couple yeah basically about a year ago I thought I'm going to really commit to this yeah but actually in all honesty it doesn't make you work any better what does make it better is checking in with yourself and seeing if you are actually in the right space of mind to be creative Hmm. so not forcing yourself to do it just for the sake of it it's all about checking in and seeing the tensions or stress of the week and whatever and maybe you're just not in the right frame of mind to do it and that's perfectly fine to say do you know what actually I don't fancy I don't fancy doing that today I'd rather just check in and sort of be myself with moi um, that's that's a great bit of advice and so when you are feeling super creative oh, I don't take it as advice what? <laughs> the love of all that is holy do not take any of what I say as advice <laughs> 
this is not a roadmap for success at all. The latter, the inverse. My God. I write every day. Right. But that, it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, that you have to sit down for four hours and rack yourself hunched over a laptop until about 4am thinking, oh my God, I haven't written this thing. You're going to make shit immediately if you do that. If you rack your body into various shapes to try and fit some deadline or something. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, it, because being creative doesn't necessarily mean outputting work. You have, you have things yeah. in which you're able to sort of harbour ideas that will eventually become work. And it's, and I, you know, again, it's what keeps me sort of saying is that you have an idea and there is a creative incubation period for that idea. Any top tips for saving money as a creative, Joe? I'm absolutely dreadful. So I, I again, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I just... I London know. sucks it, doesn't it? It just sucks it out of your pockets. Oh, it really does. It just, mm. it... This, this is the thing. I, I am I am completely motivated by avarice because I just want everything yes. all the time immediately. Yes. So I would, again, if you said, oh, let's go out tonight, we're going to go and do this, you know, whatever. It's probably because we've all been hot boxing for a year. Yes, <laughs> true. Cabin fever-esque. But it's just come back with a vengeance. And yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, I do. I, I really, I have no advice and actually say, just spend all your money now. <laughs> Get rid of it all. Don't save Piss it up the wall, basically. I love that. Thank you so much. More pleasure, more pleasure. (laughs) To Paris. Mm. Okay, so finally, what would be your dream job? As in your dream position to be in as a creative? I would like to be an artistic director of the (gasps) theatre and with a load of really interesting, like-minded, brilliant people create our own work and for it to be always funded never unfunded that's it that's fantastic would it be in London would it be in Wales does it matter so somewhere that doesn't have a theatre so a community a region that doesn't have a theatre would be lovely and to really sort of investigate that and work with a community or with um, a culture a heritage I think that would be amazing good fun um, that's uh, beautiful <laughs> yeah I can completely see that but I love it yeah. I just love it and just basically I want my job to be surrounded by people who create things all the time oh, is yeah. there a job for that okay. let's make it let's see if we can get funding from the government for that creative yes. hanger on a theatre collective <laughs> I think it's beautiful that you want it to be in a place that doesn't have a theatre as well and do I imagine you do lots of outreach and maybe a little bit of optician yeah I know but not like patronising <laughs> outreach you've just no. like you're, you're, you'd probably hire someone who's really skilled bad. in that do you want a cup of tea <laughs> like, again, I'm, I'm a bit I'm a quite embarrassed about it, actually I'm really ashamed no it was a good company you worked for no it was it was okay. a dreadful company Francis absolutely <laughs> dreadful they were just going out of the street and going oh you alright <laughs> just to people who were just in the worst poverty abject poverty and just going you're right. oh see I had a curry last night it was lovely reach for the stars Live, laugh, love. <laughs> Chalk that on the floor just in front of you. That'll help. It's not awful. And no one went with me. And you know what? Good on them for not going with me. Because yeah. I wouldn't bloody go with no, me either. No, Who is this joker? Yeah. I know. Well, who's the person... You know, we need to be funding shelter and things like that. Not outre- outreach programmes. Yes, okay. Harassing people in Cardiff. So, yes, finally, finally, anything to plug? Um, yeah, there's a few things I can't actually, can't actually say. Um... So another look, dirty little portrait is coming. Oh! Um, but we'll, we'll put links to. I say we. I'll put links to all of your. Uh, we. Me and the team. <laughs> yeah. Me and the team, guys. Me, me and the duck lamp. 
<laughs> I'll put links to all of your uh, your websites and dirty little portraits and anything else that you think of. Sure. So, yeah. Fantastic. Great. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. No, Let's... thank you very much for inviting me. And I think this is a really brilliant thing you're doing right now because I think there are so many people who feel like they are um, adrift, myself included, to hear other people's creative voices speaking oh. so openly and honestly. It's a good thing. So there we go. Just get all that smoke out of your bum. Thank then, you. Yeah. No, no, on a serious note, I think it's a wonderful thing you're doing. And I think, oh, and also good. it's quite a good laugh as well. It's been a great I've laugh. Had a hell of a time. I've had a great time. And I've told you so many pointless, ridiculous, <laughs> stupid, vacuous stories. None of it is, is hitting like that cutting room floor. <laughs> None of it. All going in its entirety. Let's go have some Alumi. Alumi! <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,